You love God tonight? Hey, uh, I want you to meet some of my very, very, very close friends. Uh, Daniel and Dana Webb and Isabella, will you come up here? So I know some of you know these guys, um, but uh, Daniel and Dana have been on our staff for a couple years now and are just uh, phenomenal, phenomenal leaders. And uh, I love what God has done in and through them. They are uh, hyper, hyper intelligent people. Like they're the smart part of our staff. And um, I just wanted, I wanted you to meet them. And so uh, I'm going to hand this to Daniel and see where we go here. Sub tag. Okay, can everybody, first of all, before I get started on this mini sermon, can everybody look at this screen? I'm not green, so we can just look over there. Look over there. Okay. Um, I'm from England, London, England, and just before anyone accuses me of being Australian or New Zealander or something, Dana is actually from here. I went to Doherty, graduate Doherty, go Spartans, anyone in here? Couple, couple over here, kind of embarrassed, some over there. Um, but we just want to kind of quickly say that we are... So excited to be here, uh, so excited to love you and to serve you, and uh, we've been married four years now, and this is our baby, Bella. She's really groggy. Hey, baby. No, she's asleep. Um, and her name is Bella, so come up and say hi. And Dana, you want to say a couple words? Yeah, um, we're just so excited, you guys, and I, I think I speak for both Daniel and I when I say that we're really passionate about finding out how God uniquely created each one of you guys. And so um, as much as possible, we would just love to hear your stories. We would love to get together with as many of you as possible and just hear what God's doing in your life, where you've been, where you're going, um, just all that. All right, and on that note, if there's any seniors in the room, I want to see you at the end of the night down front because I want to specifically connect with you. All right? Here, boss. All right, let's give them a hand. Hey, Renata, can you come up here real quick? I, hey, last week, I forgot to introduce uh, one of my children. And so I forgot to mention this. So this is uh, baby number four. And so I forgot to say that last week. I didn't, so anyway, he can't talk. Yeah, it's a he. It's a boy. He's going to be about, he'll be about six foot five. It runs in the family. Let's just, let's just stretch out our hands and pray for that. All right, let's stretch out your hands. And there we go. Jesus, we believe for height, God. Give us the air. I, I pray for air, like air Perkins. Amen. All right, good. All right, good. Hey, we're in the middle of a series here, week number two, the IC series. And uh, last week we talked about passion. It's number one core value. Uh, another one tonight I want to talk about intercession. Say intercession. Say intercession. Now say intercession, but when you say intercession, look at the person next to you and try to spit on them as much as possible. Intercession. There it is. I want saliva on faces. I want you to go home tonight saying an intercession. Intercession. There it is. Yep. And when your mom says to you, what did the little squeaky preacher talk about tonight? You say intercession. There it is. All right. There it is. Good. All right. You got it? Intercession. Uh, you know, this new Facebook thing where you, where you pick the, uh, they show you what celebrity you look like. See that? Yeah, yeah, doppelflagger. Yeah, whatever. Um, I noticed Jared Newman is Will Smith. Did you, did you see that? Jared Newman. Jared Newman's Will Smith. Yep. My triplet sister Deborah is Meg Ryan. That's what's on her Facebook. And so, um, 
I tried it uh, today uh, because I, it was kind of a trendy cultural thing, and um, I will never tell you. This I swear it's unto thee. I will never tell you who came up, but uh, let me just tell you, it was a disastrous day for me. My identity better be found in Christ because if it is found in my image, I am shipwrecked for life. So it was a horrible, 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 horrible situation for me. I went to my wife to explain to her, and she fell onto the bed laughing. I kid you not. And she was almost in tears. She was laughing so hard. And so pray for me because uh, I need it. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talking. Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount. We will be a Sermon on the Mount people. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is just the core, core, core message that Jesus speaks. As you know, everything that Jesus says is so valuable. But when he actually looks at people and in, in a monologue declares to them uh, what they need to know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is what he preaches. And it is so rich and it is so good. If you start memorizing scripture, I want to encourage you to memorize Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If in your, you're in a quiet time and you want to figure out what you need to memorize, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is a good place to start. Sermon on the Mount is huge. It's awesome. Here's Jesus, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone, just say everyone. Well, say it emphatically like you mean it. For everyone. Now, this is not mythical. This is the Son of God talking. He says everyone. It's intriguing to me. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would magnify Jesus in these moments that we have together. God, we want to be a band of intercessors. We want at the very core of this people to be red-hot, fiery prayer. God, we want prayer to mark us. We want prayer to be one of our core values. We want prayer to be when we think about who we are as a people before God, that when you lean over the balcony of heaven, you would see prayer at our core, God. We want intercession not to be a big word that we don't understand, God. We want it to be our friend. We want it to be a life message. We ask that you would do it. Dump it in us. Embed it in us. Fill us with it in the name of Jesus. Amen. When I was in junior high, any junior high kids in the house? Seventh grade, eighth grade, nothing. There it is, yeah. When I was in the eighth grade, one of my friends, one of my friends, we came to the summer between uh, eighth and ninth grade. Any eighth graders here? Eighth grade. Uh, there it is. It was the summer after eighth grade. It was uh, uh, just before ninth grade. And my, my friend had gotten saved that year in the eighth grade. And we were approaching his first year of being uh, a Christian as a ninth grader. We went to a public uh, junior high, and our junior high system worked like 7th, 8th, and ninth grade was junior high, and 10th, 11th, and 12th was high school. And uh, so we were approaching, we were going to be freshmen, uh, you know, you're top of the food chain um, when you're a freshman. And um, so we were going to be freshmen at this, at, this, at this junior high. And as we went into the junior high year, uh, he suggested something to me that I thought was completely outlandish because I grew up in church. And I grew up in church, and so I knew what it was like to compartmentalize that I am a missional Christian and school. And I, I understood that because I grew up in church, that it's hard to talk about God at school, that it's difficult, and that realistically, most of us don't. And so I just gotten used to that and content in that and comfortable in that. And yet the young man who got saved, he had no, the lines were blurred between, between our church world, that he had only recently been coming to church, and our junior high that was filled with people that didn't know Jesus. And so 
And so he said to me, and I'll never forget, it was a, a week before school. He said, hey, why don't we go ahead and pray every day before school? And I said, what? He said, why don't we go ahead and pray every day before school? And I said, that's a great idea. And so starting on the very first day of ninth grade, it's a new thing for us. We gathered together as many people as we could. We had five of us. And uh, two of them happened to be related to me. And they were girls, so I could boss them around. Just kidding. They were actually bigger than me, so, uh, which is actually true. Why did I mention that? This is, this is the Facebook profile bad day. All right, so anyway, and so, and so uh, we began to pray, and uh, we, we started praying 8 o'clock. School started at 8.30, and ninth grade, first day of school, we decided that we were going to pray. And I don't even know how much we said, hey, let's do this all year, but it was coming out of we were praying a lot during the summertime, and let, let's go into this, and let's go after this with enthusiasm this year, and let's see what happens. And, and lo and behold, I just want to tell you that God kind of arrested me and my, my, my sisters and my friends in a near supernatural way because... That was the first day of ninth grade. And by the last day of our senior year of high school, we were still in it. We were praying every morning before school. And what happened was, was that by nature of praying every morning before school. So we, let me, so we did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we had a chapel kind of thing. And so someone preached. And then Thursday, Friday was back to the prayer room. So Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, prayer, ninth grade. And then after we... Finished ninth grade, we just we had to keep going in tenth grade, and then you had to keep going eleventh grade, and then twelfth grade, and then you hand off to new leaders, and, and and that was one of the things that really I believe now I'm as as I'm an old man now, very old that that impacted impacted my my heart, my journey, my life, even to where what God is doing today, because in that time it was, it was as a teenager that this understanding. That God moves, that God does work when his people pray. Many people will not settle. They will not settle to be a people of prayer because they need instant gratification. They need to seek quick answers. But what started to happen for me as a ninth grader was by the end of the year when, when students were getting saved in mass. And by the end of the year, you know, we had literally, and I'm not exaggerating. I'm just telling you like it is. And I'm not telling you this so that you, I say, hey, I want you to be like me or anything like that. I'm just telling you the good news of what Jesus did because I believe that when we pray, God works. And, and, and literally... Many came to Christ. By the end of the year, there was between 250 and, and 280 coming every morning before school. And there was about 1,500 kids in the 7th, 8th, and ninth grade public junior high. And we began to see salvations. We began to see healings. I remember in high school, kids coming over to my house and praying over their knees that, that, that were like messed up, couldn't walk crutches. And they left the crutches at my house because they could walk. And God began to work inside of my heart as a teenager that, you know, realistically... Beyond church life. See, because I've been church my whole life. But, but this thing that took place in junior high and high school, I was, I was separated from the church world and I was into my school world. And I began to see God not with parents around, no elders around, no board members around, no youth pastors around. But for me, as a 15-year-old, God heard my prayers. God worked when my buds and I prayed. And a core conviction started to be embedded deep into my heart, and that's this. That literally, literally, not theoretically, but in reality, I mean, take it to the bank, black and white. There is a real God. He hears my prayers. And though I don't see all of the fruit immediately, tangibly, 
I see enough fruit that the best way I can spend my time is in the place of prayer. And so tonight we've got a few minutes and we're going to just kind of like, I mean, we're going to just like skim the top of the idea of intercession. We're not even going to go deep into it because we don't have time. We'll do future series on it in the future. But tonight we just want to, we just want to, we want to talk about intercession. It's kind of a big word. The reason why we use it instead of the word prayer is because it ends with shun and all of our things are shun, mission, passion, consecration. So I'd like to use the word prayer, but since prayer doesn't rhyme with shun, then we'll just go, I mean, prayer shun wouldn't work. So we went with intercession, but that's, that's a big fancy $10 word for prayer for you, human being coming before God. And asking, seeking, knocking. We like to use the words out of uh, the Jude. Jesus' brother uses in Jude 3 where it's contending, asking, believing. So in my, in my own journey in high school, I began to watch the kids that would pray and were part of the prayer meeting. There, there's something, God did something unique in their heart because... Most of our friends were living in a very small world. They had their eyes fixed on their world. And so their world consisted of who, you know, who thinks that I'm good looking? Who will date me? Will I have good grades? Can I make the basketball team? Answer's no for me. Uh, uh, do I, am I dressed well? Uh, what's my future going to look like? What do people think of me? And most of their world, when you got down to it, what are my parents saying? What can I get away with? Was this little tiny interpersonal world of themselves. But yet in the place of prayer was the real gem, the real secret. Because what happened in the place of prayer, in the place of crying out, is it's almost like, it's almost like Google Maps. Have you ever seen on Google Maps where it's like, you have, it'll like it'll zoom out and you can, see, you, know, you can see the whole world. And you zoom in and you see like your house. You're like, I am a peewee. I, I mean, I'm really little compared to the size of the earth, right? And then it's like, well, that's kind of what happened is, is most of us live in this little kind of world concentrated on my emotions, concentrated on what my grades are, concentrated on if, you know, what my education is going to be, concentrated on if people like me, concentrated on who my friends are, all those things. And those are fine things. I'm not saying anything's wrong with those things, but there is a, there is a bigger way to live. And what started to happen was teenagers started to connect with this. What is God? What is God doing in our school? And even bigger, what is God doing in our city? What is God doing? You see, as we look throughout church history, as you look at the last 2,000 years, God's always working. And you can look at generation after generation, and there are moves of God throughout history. You can find throughout history the Protestant Reformation, and you can find you know, what God was doing as people started getting their Bibles. You can look at the Great Awakening as people started to experience and encounter prayer and know that God is personal and that God is real. You can look uh, all throughout history, and you can see. Arthur Wallace says, if you want to know what God is, if you want to find out God's will for your life, find out what God's doing in your generation and jump in with both feet. And, and when the, that's what started to happen. As I started to watch 10th graders and 11th graders as I was a high school student, and, and our conversation, yes, we all had our, our own lives. We all lived our own, but there was more conversation than just that. Sitting around the table or, sit, or sitting in the classroom, there was more conversation than, hey, you know, what about this teacher? Hey, what about these grades? Hey, what about, you know, this, what are you doing this weekend? What's happening on Friday night? What's the party afterwards? Are you going to the fifth quarter? All that kind of stuff, all that kind of stuff began to pale. I mean, didn't have the enthusiasm 
as what started to take place when teenagers, and I kid you not, as part of the reason I could say this with passion is because I've lived it, because I watched teenagers start to have conversation about what is God doing in our midst. I saw as teenagers started to pull out Bibles and really care, not be like, well, you know, Jared and David and Stefan, you know, they, they, they really are into the Bible and we should be. But no, you know, watch teenagers. Okay, what is God saying? What is God's plan for our school? What does God want to do? And that, that doesn't, we can come at that theoretically. And all of us have sat in circles and, and come at that theoretically. But here's what happens when you concentrate on God. Jesus said in Matthew 6, you know, when Jesus says the Lord's Prayer, he tells us how to pray. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And when over and over, I mean, day after day, God, your will in our, in our school. God, we want your will, not our will, but your will. God, we ask for it. And it starts to grow bigger and bigger in your heart. It starts to grow come from like, yeah, wrote, I need to say this, memorized confession to, no, God, I really want it. And God, I want your will over that person. I want your will. And God, and God, and passion in the place of consistent, long-term, crying out to God, God, here it is. Everybody look at me or look over there. God starts to give you his heart in the place of prayer. And that's the real secret. The real secret of coming alive is living, getting out of your story and getting into God's story. Getting out of just all those things that take such emotional toll on your heart. And stepping into the God of the ages is at work in my life and in my school and in my church and in my city. And God, I can't live being a part of my own mission. I, I, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to be a part of your mission. And that's the better way to live. And what starts to happen? The teenagers that lock in with that, I watched it. I watched teenagers suddenly start reading biographies of missionaries because they wanted to see God work in power. I wa- I've watched it. I've seen it happen. Over and over and over again. And, and the generator, the, the, the furnace, that's my word. I, I love that word. The furnace, the fiery set, the plate, the thing that makes it happen. It is not dedication. Raw, here we go again. It's not a new series. It's not, I signed a piece of paper. But I know where it is. It's not being ordained. It's not, it's not a youth pastor. Looking at you saying, dude, you're a rock star. Go get him, tiger. Not any of those things. It's you in the place of prayer, crying out to God. And watch. God starts to give you his heart. Philippians 1.8, Paul says, I long for you with the affections of Christ. Okay, he's talking to a church in Philippi. I long for you with the affections of Christ. And then verse 9, and this is my prayer. How did he get to long for them with the affections of Christ? In the place of prayer, God downloads his heart into your heart. I know the secret. I know the way into God's heart. I know the way into gaining God's heart for your school. It's the place of prayer. But most people, it's funny. Some people even categorize it. Oh, that's, that's your thing. That's your gift. There is no list of prayer or intercession being a gift in the, in the, in the word of God. It is always a command and an invitation. James 4, it's an invitation. Colossians 4, 2, it's a demand. Matthew 6, it's an example. Jesus tells us how. But over and over again, all people, lifting up holy hands in prayer, is the way Paul says it. That's it. The way forward. The way forward is the place of prayer. So got into my college years. And in my college years, uh, I began uh, 
leading prayer meetings at college. But the real unique thing for me was in college, I started going to a church that literally did three prayer meetings a day. Three prayer meetings per day. And at that time, I, I, I couldn't fathom that. Like, that was extravagant to me. But I started going to the early morning one because I had college classes in the, uh, in the morning. And then uh, I worked um, in the afternoon for a doctor's office as a male administrative assistant, which was hard for me, but I got over it. And then in the morning, even though I had those classes, and then, it, you know, so I went early, early, early in the morning. And, and I got around this culture of people that I'd never seen before. I mean, it was like, take what I was explaining in high school and put it on steroids. I mean, intensify. I mean, massive. Because what I began to saw, what I began to see at this church, was, I mean, I saw old people, like people in their 20s, you know, that I thought were like, you know, 30s and 40s, grandmas, 50-year-olds, all of them. I saw, I saw these people, and what they were excited about was what God was doing. And it wasn't like they were praying just because they had to. There was a degree of enthusiasm because they believed at their core that God was at work. And they actually believed that as they prayed the scriptures, they would take the scriptures, the inspired word of God, and then they would pray it. And so when we pray it, we're saying, okay, Holy Spirit, touch your word. This is the written word. Living word, touch the written word. Cause it to come alive in our midst. And God is faithful to do it. And they began, they had, they had stories of how God had worked that week. They had, they, there was excitement. They would pray and they used language I never heard before. They'd be like, I mean, seriously, it sounded like, it sounded like pig Latin to me. They'd be like, oh, and then you've got the Matthew 6 thing with the Isaiah 4 thing with the, and if you, and if you put Zephaniah 3 and mix it in, well, then you put that in the oven and you get Ezekiel 22. And I mean, I was just like, they were talking in a language that with excitement for the Bible that I never heard before. The Bible was mostly like, I was currently a theology student or a Bible student, you know, at college. And we didn't talk that way, especially with that kind of excitement and that conviction that God was at work within, uh, among us. But I slowly began to be, to, to my heart just got, I mean, alive. I mean, it was like taking it to a whole nother level. So I got around this culture of prayer. I mean, day after day. Seven days a week, they would pray. I didn't come. I, I, I only would make two or three meetings a week, which was, which was really bad compared to the rest of them. But as a, as a freshman in college and then a sophomore, I began to just, I began to hunger for that kind of prayer. I began to, to desire it, to want it. I mean, to, these guys that would drink, drink more coffee so that they could read more Bible, I just loved the whole thing. I just loved the whole philosophy. It was like, dude, let's get more, co- more caffeine so we can get more of Isaiah in our hearts. And I was like, rock on, dude. I mean, I just loved it. I just fell in love with these. And, and most of them were older than me. I mean, I was, you know, a lot, a lot younger than most of them, but I, just, I, but, but I just was fascinated by them. And then uh, Renata and I got married in May of 2000. We came on staff here at the church in June of 2000. And... Uh, we were given the opportunity to, to work here and to do what we wanted. And uh, that was a pretty phenomenal opportunity. And uh, I remember sitting down here at Mimi's with Renata. And uh, this was now 2001 when we got the invitation to do what we wanted. I said, what do you want to do? They were like, I don't know. I was like, try to be like a preschool teacher? Should we try to be like, you know, in small groups? Maybe we should be like the old people pastors, you know? 
you from the coolest people of God? No? And we began to talk, and then we got more questions. We're like, this is what we want. We want to be around culture like that. More than anything, we want to empower people that they love their Bible rather than resent it, rather than it being a responsibility, rather than it being homework. We want to be around that kind of culture. So we got together the weirdest college kids we could find. Dan Perkins was in that group. John Egan's wife, Paige Pascal at the time, Paige Egan, was in that group. Tyrell Conas was in that group. Stephen Davis was in that group. And we got a bunch of kids together. Just said, I got an idea. There's a big old fat prayer center out here. Let's use it. And let's just start praying for a move of God in our generation. That's it. Let's just pray for God. God began to break our heart for teenagers. We started praying. We weren't even sure. I mean, at first, you, at first, at first it could have grown into like, hey, let's all, you know, move to Africa. You know, like it could have been anything because it was just open-handed. God, what do you want to do? And we began to feel like God was telling us to gather some teenagers together and pray and fast. That was the next step. 2002, we created a weekend where we just said, let's just create a weekend and invite whoever wants to come to pray and fast. And this kids came from 15 different states to pray and fast. And we were shocked. We called the weekend desperation, and I remember just being undone. The whole afternoon was set aside. Saturday, was, it was a fast the whole day. And the presence and the power of God was just so strong. It only accelerated as we began to want to get around more people that prayed. And we want a culture where you, you know, get out highlighters and read your Bible and pray and seek God. And, and I, I began to watch as in slow, 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 God began to answer. And one of the reasons why a lot of people don't get into the prayer thing or do the intercession thing is because they want instant answers. They've read the Gospels and they see Jesus going, and 5,000 people get fish and bread. They've seen Jesus go, you know, storms, wind, be over, and silence, and we're safe. They watch Jesus, Lazarus, come forth, and pa-pow, dead man coming out of a tomb with clothes, you know, his, all his, what do you call those? Grave clothes. And so they think that's the way God answers prayer. That's the way. And sometimes God answers prayer that way. Occasionally. But in my journey, you know where how I've seen God mostly answer prayer? It's just interesting that when you read in Luke 18, he wants us to always pray and never give up. It's interesting that he talks about pray without ceasing. It's interesting that he talks in, in Matthew 7 about persistence. Because over and over and over again, when Jesus talks about prayer, when he encourages us to do it, he talks in this long term. He doesn't talk sprint language. He talks marathon pace. And I want to be honest with you. The answers of God that I have seen through the place of prayer have been marathon pace. Oh, occasionally there's <laughs> zippity doo dah, zipperay, hipperay. That's musical Oklahoma. But most of the time, most of the time, it's staying the course long-term for God. I imagine, you know, it's guys like 
when I think of guys that have seen revivals, healing renewals, or uh, schools touched and evangelism take place, very rarely is it, I pray for the lost person, I pray for the lost person, and they're like, tell me about the Lord. I mean, that, that, that's not my experience. My experience is morning after morning after morning, cry out, over time, hearts soften. Over time, sometimes months, sometimes years. And if you study prayer movements throughout church history, that's the way that it works. Jesus, the way that he talks, persistence in a long prayer. Staying at it. Here's the way. Here's the, here's the reason. And you come out of prayer that way. That is not just, oh God, I'm praying for my prayer request. But dialogue with God, communing with God, that's where you start to place of prayer is the place of heart transformation. And when you start to pray and seek God in prayer, you start to care about God. You start to care about what God wants. You start to care more. And the fruit, some of you will see instantly, but not that often. Sometimes. And we love those. I love those sovereign surprises. I love it. It's like a jack-in-the-box, you know, where we're just like, pray and pray and pray. dun 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 we're like, yeah! Yes, God. All right? And I love those. Oh, those are good. I love those. But you know what it is a lot of the time? Dun, 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 and I could do this for 20 minutes. And then, yes, God. More of the time, it's finally. Thank you. God, answer prayer. Yes, God. I love the story of Noah because... God told Noah to build a boat, and he built a boat for a hundred years. And that, if you were to look at the, the diligence of staying the course day after a hundred years, the mockery, I mean, the pain, the shame, the frustration, I mean, just clank, clank. I don't even know how you build a boat that's that big. Noah's Ark, the size of hugeness, with animals, you know, just... I mean, I mean, literally, he goes through all of these years. I can imagine, I mean, friends of his are coming up to him going like, Noah, what are you doing? He's like, building a boat. Why? It's going to rain. It's a lot of rain, Noah. Sure you need that big of a boat? I got an umbrella. No, dude, it's going to rain a lot. How much? Well, the whole earth's going to flood. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. How do you know this? God, where is he? He's invisible. Really? Uh huh. All right. Um, Noah, why are you putting all these animals on your boat? I want to save them. <laughs> hey, Noah, can I come on your boat? Why not? My invisible God is going to kill you. I mean, can you imagine the frustration? I mean, the shame, the embarrassment. I mean, your wife is like, Noah, this was so embarrassing. Why don't you just get a normal job? Why don't you have to go up on the hill and build a boat every day? 
He's got little kids, Shen, Hem, and Japheth, three little boys. Imagine. Go to kindergarten. What does your daddy do? Build a boat. Why? Because an invisible God is going to send rain on the earth and kill you guys. You'd automatically take the short bus to school every day from there on. You know? People think you're nuts. Imagine the moment. Imagine the moment. You know, I spent his whole life, 100 years. Imagine the moment for Noah. Imagine when he went outside as he was safe for 100 years. When everybody else said, live for the day, live for the now. Do you imagine what he said? The moment. I see God. I saw your hands. I hold your feet. Imagine the doubts. You did well, Noah. God made the world. He's going to make it, Noah. Yes, you lame people. The whole earth's going to fall. If you can imagine that faith's God would speak to you right now. At year 49 and at year 55, I couldn't see the You would have told the 21 kids that started praying, and you told Renata that. But years later, in 2009, you'd be the youth pastors at New Life Church. 8,000 teenagers would fill our building. And you'd be like, what? Are you serious? 2009, 8,000 kids? No, no, no. We, we run a prayer group. Three words. Faith. Cry out. God have mercy. God have mercy. It's not this massive epic. It's and I know for me, when I walk in to a moment like right now, and I see teenagers worshiping God with passion, And for me, sometimes, being at the things we do, tours, restoration conferences, thousands of kids, I don't look at it and go, oh, you know what, this is because we have a big building, big church, because there are big churches all across the country that don't have youth groups. Well, this is because we have a good band, and good bands all over the, all over the world that just have a prayer movement. early, cry out, ask, 
refuse to give up. When I look at our future, I see intercession. I see a culture of faith. I see a culture among us where our Bibles are in our hands. I see highlighters for kids talking a lot about what Jesus says in the gospel. I see prayer meetings. I see I see us in prayer meetings, in youth, student, young people prayer meetings. In Nobody wears out the World Prayer Center facility like we do. I see prayer meetings every day. I see, I see that building being filled in the summertime over and over again with teenagers crying out to God. I see a culture of kids that get up early and drink coffee to read Lamentations. I see kids that start campus prayer meetings on their campuses. It has nothing to do with anything that Dan Perkins or Stephen Davis or David Perkins says. It's just you, yours, you, you do it. It's your thing, and you've got a vision for God on your campus, and you're going to own it, and you're going to see God in your midst. I see you weeping with tears over the lost kids in your school. I see a prayer movement. I see, I, guys, listen. If we will take God's word and not be lazy in prayer, if we will be diligent in prayer, we haven't even begun to dream about our future. Friends, Who knows what he'll do? Cry out as we pray. Let's stand. I want to pray for you that you'll be a man or a woman of prayer during your high school years. In all seriousness, if you go count me in, I want to be a man or woman of prayer. I want you to run down to the front really quickly. Come quickly. Come, 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 come fast. Run down. Hand on your heart. Jesus, have your way. God, have your way. We want to ask and seek and knock. God, we don't want to give up. I don't want to settle. I don't want to settle to be the average lazy Christian. finds my niche, my, my way to find identity in something other than Christ alone, my way to pay my bills other than total faith and ask him for, for God in our midst. God, I want, I want my heart alive. Lift up my friends tonight. God, I don't want to read about history. I don't want to read about moves of God in books that are 50 years old. I see it with my own eyes. And I want to read about it in a nursing home one day. I want to see it in my own geographical region. I want to see it in Colorado Springs. I want to, I, I want, I, 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 we want our hearts, God, to be so connected to what you're doing on the earth that what we blog about and what we email about and what we tweet about and what we talk about is, is God at work in our midst. God, we want to be just, just like children enough to take your word and believe that it is what it says it is. That you'll do what you said you'd do. 
That everyone that asks receives and everyone that knocks, the door is open and everyone that seeks finds God. God, I want to believe that. I want it to cause me to live with diligence. God, we want to see prayer meetings all over the city. God, over the years to come, who knows what you'll do? Who knows? Your 15-year-olds to get a vision for God. Weep over their lost friends. Have your way. I pray for every person that's here tonight. Up here, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you touch them? I pray for Evan Roberts to come out of tag. God, I pray for Leonard Ravenhills to come out of tag. God, I pray for Esther's and Amy Simple McPherson's. I pray, Lord God, for revivalists. I pray for miracles. I pray for schools to be transformed. I pray for authors that write on the good news of Jesus and feel the knowledge of God. Put the knowledge of God in books and blogs. I pray, Lord God, that young preachers would arise. Youth pastors that fill the earth. I pray for missionaries that go to the darkest regions of the earth. That literally cry out and believe and ask and move for a move of God in their midst. Oh, God, do it in us. Make us a people of prayer. Make us a people that love the place of intercession. It's our favorite place that we're literally addicted to the place of prayer. It's our favorite place. It's where you'll find us. Let this house be a house of prayer, God. This week, over the years to come, we're going to start a pretty hefty prayer ministry within TAG. This week is a taste test. It's like when you go out for ice cream and they give you a little, just a little bite to see if you like it. We're, and so we're going to do 21 prayer meetings this week as TAG. We're going to do 7 a.m., noon, and 7 p.m. We've already got interns that are going to be at all of them. There will be at least two people wherever two or more are gathered, there will be at least two interns at every single one. But we want to, I'm going to invite you to come to one of them. Just one. 7 a.m., noon, 7 p.m. And here's what I want to invite you to do. We, we, I want you to do this quickly. That Thursday starts right over there. It goes Thursday, Friday, and all, all of the day, the morning, afternoon, the morning, noon, and night, they're all listed Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, coming back to Wednesday. And next Wednesday night, 6 p.m., we're going to gather in the Tag Chapel early. So I know we start, we start in here at 7, but we're going to gather an hour early. And our last prayer meeting together before we meet together next week, for those of you that want to, we're going to pray from 6 to 7 right in there. And we're going to ask for all the prayers that God will hear, all the prayers of the entire week, 21 prayer meetings. And we're going to say, God, we want a movement in our city. And I want to invite all of you to be there if you want to next week. But here, I want just, just as a moment of setting, setting like action to this. It's just a taste test. Go into a prayer meeting this week, one prayer meeting for an hour. Now, it's not that big of a deal. But it is a statement that says, yes, I want to get started. Count me in. We got pins. I'm going to give you just a few minutes. All right. I want you to go sign it real quickly, and then I'm going to pray for you. Okay, ready, set. So you're going to find a spot. You're going to pick. Okay, I can do Friday morning at 7 a.m. Or I can do Saturday at noon. I can ride my bike. I can have my mom drop me off. You know, 
however you can get here, it's going to be at the World Prayer Center. We have, oh, I didn't tell you. We have what we call the furnace prayer room. We have a prayer room where we've been doing prayer as the furnace from morning till night every day. And you walk in, we got maps for you. So you, you're, before you leave, you're going to get a map. It's going to be at the World Prayer Center. I want you to pick at least one meeting. Go sign up for it. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Go. Go, 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 go fast. Don't talk. Don't talk. Just go sign it. We got pens, paper. They're all going to be at the World Prayer Center. If you can't do it, that's okay. Everybody look at me real quick. Look at me real quick. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you. And then you could go ahead and stay and sign up. Father, we love you tonight. Would you hear the prayers of every man and woman that's here tonight as we cry out 21 prayer meetings over the next seven days. Three tomorrow, three the next day, three the next day, three the next day, all the way till we're here again next week. God, we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would move in power. God, we are not content for a little bit of your presence and your power. We want all that you'll give us. Everything that you'll give, we desire. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and sign up. You're officially dismissed. Go as you need to. I'd like to encourage you. Let's keep this place reverent. Keep your conversations in the lobby. If you want to talk, if you want to hang out, hang out in the lobby. But I want this to be a place where people can sign up. And not have all kinds of conversations. So take your conversation in the lobby. Here we go.